Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Saturday, February 22nd. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined with the red-hot GPP stud and one of the sharpest DFS NBA minds that I know, Mr. Michael Apatria. How are you today, Mike? I'm doing well, Coach. Uh, doing good, man. Happy to be here. Happy to you know be doing my first show over here at DFS Coach Talk. I'm excited. This is this is an exciting venture that uh, we got a good group of guys around, and I'm you know we're we're off to the ground running already. Uh, had a couple wins last night. Uh, fared did fairly well. Uh, did fairly well in the single entries. I uh, you know I got about a five or six times return on my investment on the night. Yeah. So. Uh, looking, looking to keep this going. Nice, uh, nice another six-game card over here that we're going to be talking about shortly. So I'm just fired up, man. Big things coming. Well, I'll tell you, it's I just you know I'm so happy. This is our first show on this format now with DFS Coach Talk, and it just you know we talked about it and really you know enjoyed our time at, at Hoopball doing those shows together, and you know it was like and I mentioned it on the, the first couple of podcasts. But it it was a weird thing. You know, the whole Kobe thing hit all of us so hard uh, three weeks ago. And I know that really started us talking like, you know, let's step up. You know, let's let's take that Mamba mentality, if you will, and, and you know, get out there and, and try something uh, new that, that we knew that, uh, you know, we had the chemistry with you and I and Andrew. And, uh, man, it's just – to see it all come to fruition within the you know this just a year a calendar year uh, is excited man and and wouldn't have done it if uh, you weren't going to be part of it that's for sure so it's awesome to have you man and as much as I will never say anything nice about you probably again you might as well take that and uh, record it. <laughs> It's uh, I'll I'll take yeah that one's going to get uh, saved on a PDF or uh, what's it called uh, a flash drive. Flash yeah, I'm going to bury it in a wall that way, like 300 years from now, someone finds it and they can listen to it and it'll be the last the last nice thing Coach ever said about oh, it. That's uh, a horrible <laughs> thought, man. Terrible. Well, oh, I mean, on, on, the, on the positive, uh, we talked about this off air. I don't got to wear no stupid chicken suit. <laughs> What do so, you mean you don't have to wear a chicken I, suit? I mean, that was, that was a strict, uh, a strict it was. call bet. So uh, it was. There's, no, there's no chicken. I mean, we could start fresh right here. We'll start um, fresh. We'll, we'll start, start one fresh. I'll but, do, you know, I'll do something the... else. Though. I'm a man of my word, and uh, there there is some honor, I guess, left in me. So we'll figure something out where I did lose that uh, fair and square up until the All-Star. All-Star. Uh, I, I, maybe I shouldn't say fair and square. There was a couple couple holes, a couple asterisks in there. But uh, Don't even start. I, I, we'll go back <laughs> to Miles saving the day for me. But for those, uh, the DFS Coach Talk listeners that think we're crazy, we, uh, we had a, a running bet where during our podcast, cast through the entire first half of the season and actually even some of the preseason because we do preseason as well we uh if we really disagreed on a guy like he loved kent baysmore and i like trevor reza or something and they were in the same price range we would make that a chicken suit bet uh, call for how many dfs points they got and so we did that you know every couple shows we'd throw one in there and whoever lost had to do a live show on air uh, after the all-star break wearing a chicken suit, which is a, a fun. I can't wait to, to win this bet again so we can do it. So I won fair and square 11 to nine. 
And the fact is we're not on hoop ball together anymore. So I am going to let him skate because I'm a gentleman. And from now till the end of the regular season, what we'll do is the new bet is the first uh, podcast that we do for, for the playoffs, the loser has to wear the chicken suit for that one. How's that sound? That's fair enough. All right, dude. All right, let's let's get on with this sucker. We've got six really good main slate games. Um, there is one earlier game, you know, that we're not going to add to this because really the the single games and stuff in the all days, there's no contest to get in or anything. Anyway, we're just always going to attack the main slate because that's where you can really you know, you know do some damage, and it does no good. Uh, mixing in guys that you can't use in your main slate lineup. So we're going to focus uh, every show on the main slate uh, for that well, night. Not to cut you yeah. off, Coach, but sure. with that being said, that you know that doesn't stop you guys from if jumping in Discord if you're if you're a yeah. subscriber asking us questions about you know uh, our opinions on plays and stuff like that. Um, we'll still be happy to help you in there. It's just you know there's no point. So not not everybody um, you know plays these these early slates or these solo slates. So and sometimes they end up, you know, running the podcast an extra 10, 15 minutes. So that's the reason why we're kind of cutting them out. We want to just kind of get this out as fast as possible to you guys each and every day. Try to keep it limited because that Discord is available. And you're going to have uh, three, four pros in there at all times readily available to answer your questions. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast seven days a week. It comes out around 1 p.m. Eastern, one one thirty. Um, and you know we're tr- we're doing it the day of this year, uh, or in with DFS Coach Talk now, as opposed to always doing it the night before. And the reason being is that the lines are up, the totals are up, they're fresh, all the player news is refreshed. So instead of you know maybe sixty percent of what we're telling you is is uh, solid and not going to change, uh, now it's probably like ninety percent. You know, yes. They'll, the most important 10% will filter through the rest of the afternoon. Uh, but at that point, you know, just jump on us on our Twitter and uh, and then in our Discord. You can follow us, by the way, <clears throat> on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. That's D-F-S-C-O-A-C-H-T-A-L-K. And if you want to go to our website, it's DFSCoachTalk.com. And that's where we, uh, you know, you can jump in, uh, get involved with us, join the, join the team, and, and uh, that, that will get you in our Discord. And uh, all the lineups are posted there and all the uh, discussions and bonus lines. And that's where, like what Mike just said, if you want, you know, you want to throw something to us, DM us on there and say, hey, that, what do you think about this lineup for this single game, early game, or anything like that, we'll be happy to jump in because uh, we – you know, we have a great team of seven, uh, seven guys that are real sharp DFS minds that are uh, in this venture with us. Uh, and the three pros, Mike, Andrew, and I uh, are focusing on, you know, just everybody that's involved with us and, and providing uh, whatever information that can help them win. And, uh, you know, so that's where we are, man. Um, let's. Why don't we get this show on the road? Because we have six games, and there is a lot more news than I was expecting for a six-game slate. So, what we do uh, for the new listeners, and I'm, I'll say this a few more shows so that everybody that's jumping in new, because we're growing each day, 
and people are now jumping over to find us is we we do a little small talk like we just did. Uh, we'll we'll also do a lot on a lot of these in the, at the beginning a little uh, study of what the night before, uh, good, bad, and different. You know, any comments we have uh, on stuff like that. Like I said, I'm not going to play Dwight Howard. Uh, I was mentioning to Mike before we got on the show, but now that we're on it, uh, Dwight Howard is now on my poo-poo list, let's say. And uh, no, but we'll we'll go over and, and break down some of those uh, winning, losing, whatever. We're, we're always very transparent uh, and aren't just going to talk about the winning lineups. We're going to talk about uh, the duds like Dwight Howard uh, and stuff like that too. So we'll do that and then, I'm going to read through the player news up to date, literally to the minute uh, that that uh, gives you an idea of who's in, who's out, and who's injured. And then we're going to go right into the slate, and Mike is going to really dissect the games. And then I'm going to chip in with uh, some cash plays that I'm looking at as well. All right. We go to the, the news, uh, and here we go. Kyle Korver from Milwaukee is out. Uh, interesting. It's a little rotation time for some of those other guys from the Bucks. Uh, Alex Lynn for the clip for Sacramento. I'm sorry, I can't get used to the fact that he's in Sacramento. He's 50-50 uh, questionable. So something to watch because you know they've had this whole problem with their big guys. Bagley's out and uh, Holmes is out. So they've been using Giles at center. Uh, so we need to keep an eye on this Len news. Uh, Pat Beverly and Paul George both remain out for the Clippers. So that pretty much should ensure that Kawhi Leonard is probably going to be the highest-owned guy on the slate. Uh, but certainly with two two important guys for the Clippers out, uh, you know, we'll have to make note of that. Uh, Elia Kobo is in for Phoenix. Dario Saric is in. Aaron Baines is in. And DeAndre Aiden is in. So uh, three, uh, a third of their team uh, was questionable. Now they're all four in. So a little bit more, more ball sharing with Phoenix tonight. Uh, Denzel Valentine uh, remain. I always want to say Denzel Washington. But Denzel Valentine remains out. Uh, he's, he's still hurt. Uh, and then these are really interesting. We've got doubtful tags for Luke Cornett and Wendell Carter Jr., both at 25%. So more than likely those two guys are going to be out and we'll be back to the timeshare of, of Gafford and Felicio. So we'll have to talk a little bit about that. Uh, DeAndre Bembry remains out for Atlanta. And um, DeAndre Hunter is out for Atlanta, Atlanta, and that's a shame because he's playing good ball. So, you know, the Cam Reddish lovers are going to be fired up. Uh, Chandler Hutchison, who I was excited to start playing in the second half, he is out. He's got a right shoulder injury. And then we do have a probable tag on Ben Simmons, 75 going to play so that's really good news and if and philly needs him out there for sure all right any comments on that mike yeah man i'm ready to do this uh let's break these things down okay game one is a seven o'clock game it is brooklyn at charlotte uh neither team is on either side of a back-to-back and we have brooklyn as a four-point favorite 
The total is a paltry 211, lowest number on the entire board. Implied total for Brooklyn, 107.5. Implied total for Charlotte, 103.5. And uh, interesting. So, you know, the question is, Let's let's take a look here too. I want to just refresh the screen so I don't have anything that's not current. I want to go pace too because we talk about that every day as well. Uh, pace of play uh, for Brooklyn is they are actually down to they've they've slid down the line here. Tenth, uh, they were in the top ten for quite a while, but still. Tenth is pretty quick. They're going to get up and down, so good pace for them. Charlotte, which is really bizarre to me. Somebody's got to explain that to me. They're they're last. They're 30th. Slowest team in the league. So it is a pace-up game for them, as every game is. But to go from 30th uh, to 10th, that's pretty, uh, you know, that's pretty impactful. And then vice versa. You know, that's a big downer for Brooklyn, uh, playing against a, a super slow team like that. Um, I just refreshed the defensive efficiency through last night's games as well. We have uh, Brooklyn, uh, as far as defense, is seventh in the league. Very, very surprising. Nobody realized, I don't think, that they were playing that great a defense as a team. Um, and the Charlotte Hornets are all the way down to 24th. So not good. So we've got a, an interesting scenario. We've got a uh, pace up in uh, for uh, Charlotte, but they're playing against a better defense. And we have a pace down for Brooklyn, uh, but playing against a worse defense. So break it out for us, Mr. Mike. Yeah, I mean, so it's this is to a matchup that we always have circled on our board. It's you know Brooklyn's on, so we first thing we got to look at is who, who the center is that's facing Brooklyn. Um, but this is the scenario where both teams are absolutely atrocious against opposing centers. So I just wanted to get yeah. that off. Um, you know, you, you could look at those options if you want, like your Cody Zellers. You know, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan are still in a timeshare. They're both chopped up the minutes. It's kind of hard to favor either one of them, and they yeah. both kind of have middling price. Uh, you know, looking at Jared Allen, uh, power forward eligibility a little cheaper on, on DK, so that's he kind of comes into play over there uh, for GPPs only. But I think the main the main love for me on both sides of the ball is going to be the backcourt. You know, Kyrie Irving ruled out for the year, so we're going to have to take a strong look at guys yeah. like Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert. Uh, both these guys are priced fairly on both sites. He's uh, Karis Levert seems like he's a little underpriced over there on FanDuel. I believe he's like 6,200 uh, as opposed to 7K on DK. So uh, he's kind of garnering some attention for me. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, I, I'm really into Devontae Graham in this matchup. He feels like he's a little underpriced over there on FanDuel, 6,500. Um, you know, it's going to, like you said, they're playing at an up, up pace. Uh, that's definitely going to benefit him. And he, these teams have played three times already this season, and he's basically torched them. He's averaging 28, uh, 28.7 points, actual points, six assists, four rebounds. And you got to understand, he just riles off three-pointers um, at an alarming clip. So he's already torched them. He's averaging 44 DK points against them in uh, three games this season. So at that price tag, 6,500 on FanDuel, he's, uh, he's definitely getting some attention from me. Does his last game scare you? Nah. For, do, do you know what his, his numbers were for that game? <laughs> I love it. Over, over seven, over five. 
Um, I think we've seen, I can't, who's the player that we used to, I can't even, it's not coming to my mind, maybe it'll come to me. Um, every time after he just had one of those massive dud games, we, you know he was following it up. Oh, Jason Tatum. Uh, yeah. Jason Tatum. Yeah, those, he went one for 19 awful, that one game. Yeah. yeah. And then he follows it up, and you can just pretty much bank it in when he has one of those, like, you know, two for 19 or one for 17 kind of games. Uh, he's coming back. You can't do much worse at the end of the day. So uh, I, I got some interest. You know, the three games prior to that, we're looking at, you know, 45, 46, and 50 DK points. So he was in a groove, uh, just lost it going against Chicago. Yeah. Shout out to Tom. Thomas Sadaransky, he shut his tail down. But I can't remember seeing the leading scorer for a team that's had a phenomenal season play a game of 33 minutes and be healthy and not score even a foul shot. It just was so bizarre. I But I think that'll scare some people off of him. I really do, which might be a good thing for you. Yeah, and, and that and bottom line, you know, there is always some risk involved when you're when you're playing like a strictly three-point jump shooter. Uh, if the shot's yeah. off, you know, the, the, the whole night's going to be off for you. But, uh, I, you know, I am a GPP-oriented guy and kind of targeting one of those guys that, you know, has that 40 or 50-point uh, ceiling. Same thing as a guy like, let's say, Spencer Dinwiddie or some of these other point guards that are priced up on the slate. Um, and you're getting him at a depressed salary, and you and you can almost pinpoint a matchup that he's already playing well in. All those factors take into account. I, I I'll have him on my board. Um, you know, my initial shell lineup that I started building uh, early in this afternoon has him in it. Very interesting, man. Um, and you had mentioned something that you know I we obviously one of our top five things is uh, centers against Brooklyn, even though DeAndre Jordan. Uh, plays decently. Allen doesn't get it done, and, and centers have continued to to smash uh, Brooklyn throughout the year. So I'm trying to determine it. Looking at Charlotte, like is Cody Zeller's 25 some you know minutes right in that neighborhood going to be sufficient to make him a play, or does PJ Washington, who plays pretty big, you know, he's usually in the low 30s. He may be a guy that. Uh, you know, also could do well. But then you've got that, that whole concern of Bismack Biombo or Willie Hernan Gomez coming in. So that's the only thing is, you know, I wish this was more of a smash spot for the center, but I'm not exactly sure, you know, how that's going to play out as mm-hmm. far as usage. Yeah, I think I would probably lean more towards Washington, just seeing the confidence in, that he's been playing with and, and seeing the increase in minutes, um, even with uh, Cody Martin returning. So, you know, before we kind of saw him shift to the bench, before uh, Martin got that concussion, and, you know, he, he ended up getting reinserted when he was out. But now he's kind of retained his starting role, it looks like, um, getting the big minutes. I, I do have a little interest in him. But, you know, neither him or Zeller fared to be like just blow off the page in these matchups. Like I said, these teams have played three times already this season. I think they both put up, uh, you know, just under a point per minute when they when yeah. they faced them. So they weren't two guys that kind of excelled and took advantage of it. But that's not saying that they can't. It's still Brooklyn. They'll still be on my radar. I'm just not going to be gravitating towards it as much as I normally would uh, as to like, you know, I would say 80 percent of the other centers going against Brooklyn. I'm with you, man. I I really don't like this game at all. I mean, it's if if I do land on one guy, you know, uh, just to to round out a roster, uh, you know, if it's PJ or Zeller or somebody like that. But I just I really don't like the game. I think, you know, Dinwiddie's obviously going to be pretty highly owned and prices up a little bit now that that Irving's out for the year. But uh, you know, I guess. You know, the the best play is probably Karis LeVert. 
I mean, have, did you give him any consideration? Yeah, so Levert's probably going to be the guy I fall to um, if I'm looking on Brooklyn exposure more often than not, okay. especially on FanDuel. He's underpriced. He's sixty, I think he's sixty-two or sixty-one hundred as opposed fair, to seven. You know, yeah, well, that's more than fair considering what he's been doing. He's been dropping these thirty-five plus point games, you know, forty and even a fifty in there uh, yeah. over the past, you know, I would say six games, seven games he's been on this streak. So it's not anything that's happening on accident. He's taking full advantage of the usage with Kyrie Irving out. He's taking, you know, 15 to 20 shot attempts per game. And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, it's not an accident. If he just came out here and he was taking eight shot attempts a game and he had one where he took 16, you'd see maybe an outlier of a a defensive matchup uh, that they took advantage of. But he's just chucking, and I don't expect that to slow down. So, um, you know, it's going to come down to construction. I I don't mind him or Dinwiddie. It's a lot easier to fit Levert in, especially on FanDuel. Um, so that's that's kind of the approach I'm taking. I probably have more Levert than I will Dinvidi, and uh, just Graham for me on the other side of the ball for the most part. Perfect. I did want to mention one thing because you know I'm all about the eye test. I think you know all the a lot of the touts out there talk about the same numbers and statistics and usage percentages, but nothing beats a good eye test for me. And and I'll tell you, I was shocked. I watched the end of the Charlotte game in their last game, and PJ Washington had just committed a foul. There was two minutes and 28 seconds. It was a four-point game. And he, I don't know if he, like, got hit a little bit in the side, nothing major, but he he took himself out. He told the coach he wanted out, and the coach looked at him like, you know, he was a little surprised. They subbed in for him. He went to the bench, and he, he was fine. And the, a couple of the guys on the bench were looking at him like, what the hell, man, why would you take yourself out? And... uh that just makes me wonder about his focus and toughness. Now, you know, supposedly he slipped in the draft a little bit because, you know, there were some stories of him being a little bit of a malcontent. And I just, I don't know. I, I'm a guy that is on my radar for the wrong reasons. Uh, I am not in the PJ Washington corner right now. I, I respect that. I mean, your your eye test is, uh, you know, has proved you. Proved to do you well. Uh, we've seen that several times. You know, you call LeBron sick, and the next day he sits. Uh, that was a great call of yours earlier in the season. Sometimes a guy just has the bubble guts. Uh, you yeah. know, maybe maybe he just had the bubble guts pulled himself off because he's getting a little shaky out there. But I'm with you. If, uh, <laughs> you know, he's not a, he's not a guy that I was really you know over investing in anyway. I think he's a solid value. I think there's a couple other forwards that I like a little bit better, uh, even for for a cheaper price tag. So um, you know. More of a reason, I guess. Just something to keep an eye on. That's for sure. All right, dude, let's go to game two. It is at 7.30 Eastern. We've got Dallas at Atlanta. Uh, Dallas is on the second night of a back-to-back and and had to uh, go to Atlanta. Atlanta is a six-point dog, though. Dallas, six-point road favorite. How about this number? Two, four, zero, and a half. And you don't see too many of them over 240 right now, but that's by far the highest number on the board. Um, so that, you know, this is going to be one of the higher owned games with a couple of the biggest stars. That's for sure. Uh, Dallas is implied total. I'm pretty sure this is the highest Mavs total uh, for the year. It's 123 and a half and the Hawks are 117 and a half. So that that is uh, some seriously interesting information. Pace-wise, Atlanta's fourth in the league, so they're going to get the ball up and down the floor uh, big time. Dallas is down to 22nd. 
Uh, so it is a pace down for Atlanta. Uh, defensively, this is probably why the, the number is so high. Dallas is down to 19, which is not as good as they had been at all. And Atlanta is third worst in the entire league. So that is probably where we're getting that big number from. But, man, this I guess this is probably one of the more stackable games of the of the night. So what do you think, man? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, high total, high pace, you know, superstars, guys that we love to see and we love to target anyway. So I'm going to be uh, fully invested in this game. You know, my initial build looks like I got about three guys, three to four guys uh, from this game. I think I have three. Um, still kind of chalking up the other one. I might end up with four. So uh, okay. I'll start with the Dallas side of the ball. Luka Doncic still underpriced. I don't care that it's a back-to-back. Um, I'm definitely going to be uh, playing a ton of Luka tonight. Uh, you know, I just not to interrupt, but he sat uh, the last three and a half minutes of the third quarter and the first seven minutes of the fourth quarter. So he did not get extended last night. Nope, and he still ended up uh, putting up, I think, about close to sixty DK point or sixty-two DK points and almost sixty on Fanduel. So, I'll, and the, the pace is great. He has, uh, I think, he sat out the first time these two teams played, so we didn't get yeah. to really see him play. So, I'm really excited to see it. This is a guy that we were paying eleven eight, eleven nine for earlier in the season. Right now, we're looking at him at that low ten salary. So, uh, I'll be over, overly invested. And the other guy I'm going to be looking at is Maxi Kleber. Uh, last night, uh, really oh, he went nuts night. last night. Yeah. Yes, and I, I'm not expecting another game like that necessarily. I'm not expecting him to shoot ten of thirteen. That was a you know unbelievable performance. I would um, say. But I think it's more indicative that Willie Cauley Stein was a DNPCD. Uh, did not wow. even see the court. So he's kind of, you know, maybe he's falling out of favor. Maybe, he, you know, it is a back-to-back, so there's a chance that Kali Stein kind of sniffs his way back onto the court. Um, but that kind of says something to me in that, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They were playing well with Kleber in the starting lineup, and they are playing well with him as, uh, as the, you know, majority of the center minutes. So I expect them to continue doing that. Uh, but he's just a great price tag as well. Near minimum salary on FanDuel, only 3,900 on DK. And it's wow. worth noting, he, uh, he absolutely crushed in this matchup earlier in the season. I believe he put up about 39 DK points in 30 minutes against him. So he's already performed well. So it's just checking off a couple boxes. Do I feel great about it in cash? Uh, you might have a few better options that you, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable with, but I think he's a rock solid GPP option. I'm with you on that one for sure, man. I, I think, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, what a sucker. You know, he had his, his career high, which it was. It was the best game he's ever had. And you're chasing stats. You're chasing, you know, a game. But I think you're right, man. If you look, you, you know, you could look past that because of what he did before and the minutes that he's been getting. And, you know, Carlisle has been known to ride with the hot hand. So, I think you might be on to something there, and he sure makes uh, that salary balance out pretty good, you know? Yeah, especially if, like for me. Uh, I'll be very transparent right now. I'm trying to get Luca, and I'm trying to get another high-priced guy in there, whether it's you know running it back with some of those guys over there in that Houston game. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, try- I'm trying to get you know two of those guys in there, and I need to save a couple bucks if I'm trying to do that. All right. What about the Hawks? And that's perfect segue. I'm saving some money using uh, my guy Cam Reddish. I think without DeAndre Hunter, we should be uh, pretty much solidified into 30-plus minutes 
Uh, from yeah. from Reddish, he's a fair salary. He's forty one hundred on DK. I think he's forty four hundred over there on FanDuel. It's only a six game slate, so uh, I like to you know I tend to spend down on small forward a lot of times when it's a smaller slate. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I I'll spend up more on the guys like Giannis when it's like a nine or a ten game slate when I know he'll be a lower owned guy. Um, but when it's a shorter slate, I try to spend down. So coming off of a good game against Miami, played thirty seven minutes, put up thirty one DK points, twenty six and a half DK points the game prior to that one. So yeah. uh, both those games uh, i'll have some interest in him um i don't know if i'll end up getting to trey as you just heard me say um i'm, I'm yeah. probably going to be playing more of the luca approach with one of those guys over there in the houston backcourt so I, i'll reserve him for a gpp pivot um and that's kind of that's kind of where i'm, I'm really cutting it I, I really don't want too much exposure i really don't mind john collins i think he's a fair price tag i think i'm fan duel he's about 8k he's 8400 so that's a fair price tag um, you know, it's a great matchup. We know that Dallas hasn't been, you know, defending the paint too well. He put up 40 DK points in the matchup earlier in the season. Yeah. Just not landing on him entirely. So I won't fault you to, for him. Uh, but he's just not my initial builds right now. Who, who, I've been trying to debate this here this morning. Who do you think is going to guard Trey Young out of the shoot for the Mavericks? They'll probably do uh, – it's tough. It depends on what Carlisle, who Carlisle wants to start in the first place. We'll we'll go with that one. But I would assume it would probably end up being someone like uh, like Curry. Yeah, and that's where I would want to play Trey. I think I'm with you because if he started Brunson or Wright and they guarded him, then I think I'd be a lot more comfortable with that. But if it ends up being what he's been doing, and it's either Curry or Hardaway. Uh, or Luca, then I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I think Trey's a good play. So I know, you know, he'll obviously rotate people on you, you know, not the same guy's going to play in the whole game, but I don't know. You know, to me, a lot of how he's going to do that, uh, you know, could be key to, to, you know, if I want to play him or not. Plus, Carlisle's been known at times to run doubles at the ball. I know he did it some with Harden. Um, so that's the concern too, if they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands. Cause you know, he doesn't create, uh, uh, like a Westbrook where he's going to get a ton of rebounds and, and a ton of his own, uh, you know, chances this last game, you know, it, it was crazy. Jimmy Butler couldn't guard him and Butler, uh, didn't start out on him, but the guys that were picking him up, and this is, this is not an exaggeration. They instead of picking him up at half court, they were picking him up about 31 feet from the bucket. So you know what that crazy dude did? He pulled up and hit two 33 foot threes. Yeah, I saw this. It's ridiculous. Well, so that's the whole thing. No, go ahead. I, I will know. Um, in the matchup earlier in the season when uh, Doncic was out, Brunson did start that game. So Brunson yeah. likely started the game off on uh, Trey Young, and Trey Young yeah. struggled in it. Uh, he, you know, they ended up losing by, I believe it was like 20 or 22 points or something like that. But Trey Young only ended up playing uh, 26 minutes and he ended up shooting four 13 in that uh, one of six from, from three. So if Brunson is the guy well, that's that, on him. Because it's Brunson. Brunson's a dog, man. He gets yeah. after you. And DeLon Wright, too. He's lanky and he bothers you and deflects everything. So I think we're going to have to uh, – the sad part is we're probably not going to have that uh, starting lineup uh, at lock because – Brooklyn Charlotte's 30 minutes before, but we'll, we'll keep a very close eye on it because if I see Carlisle make an adjustment and put Brunson in that starting lineup or right, I think that's going to scare me off a tray. <clears throat> but I don't think those other guys can guard him. I really don't. 
No, I mean, it's Trey Young at the end of the day. He, he, he can blow. We just saw him have a career high 50 points. Um, yeah. it, it can happen at any point in time. So um, I'm not going to, like I said, I won't fault you if you want to play Trey Young. There's, there's, it, I play him majority of the nights. I always get some exposure to him. He's not a guy that I ever enjoy fading. Uh, it's just kind of how my lineups are being constructed at the moment. Um, you know, if I play him, then I kind of have to fade Luca or not play yep. Luca in that lineup, and that's going to be the pivot I take. So when I do decide I want to build an alternate GPP lineup and I'm not playing Doncic in that one, I'll probably take him out and get some uh, get some good exposure to Trey Young in there. And then maybe instead of playing a guy like Cam Reddish, I get another low-valued guard, like a, maybe like a Seth Curry instead. I do think Seth Curry is in play. He's performed well in this matchup. Uh, but just, you know, I'm not going overboard on him. I don't know if we're going to need to just necessarily go there. But he's yeah. there and he's available. He's a little bit overpriced on like DK. I don't, I don't like paying 5K if he was somewhere in the like the low to mid fours. I'd be all over him. Yeah, I you know I sort of like. Uh, I'm going to try to stack up this game a little bit. Um, I do like some of the ancillary players on both teams. Actually, I I'm with you completely. I think everybody else in the industry will be. I bet you Cam Reddish is you know one of the higher owned players just because it's just almost a guarantee he's going to get low to mid thirties for sure. Uh, and then a really pace up game of, you know, that they're getting uh, a lot of possessions. So he's a great play. I think Collins is certainly in play with the interior struggles of the Dallas defense. Um, like I say, depending on the matchup with Trey, uh, I also like Tim Hardaway jr. A little bit and poor Zingas. Uh, I may go with those secondary two guys, uh, as opposed to unloading the vault on um, Luca, but it's it's one or the other. Either you know I'll I'll fire up Luca, or I'll go with the Porzingis Hardaway duo. Just because Atlanta's defense is just so porous, and I think there's a lot of different ways they can attack. Um, I don't think Porzingis is going to be. They have really anybody to match up with Porzingis because if they put Collins on him, he could get in foul trouble. Plus. Uh, that takes Collins off the glass because he has to go way out there because Porzingis likes to shoot the three. So that creates, you know, maybe a little concern about rostering Collins also. And, uh, you know, maybe makes Porzingis a good option. And I'll tell you, he has quietly had like four or five pretty monster games in a row. He's he's really got it going. Uh, if he can keep this up, you know, if he and Luca play at that level, uh, pretty much anything's possible, you know? Yeah, definitely. I I think um, the only thing I run into with him is, like, on sites like DK, he's no longer power forward eligible. He's uh, he's only center eligible. I mean, you That's are allowed ridiculous. to play uh... – you are allowed to play a couple a couple of centers over there, so you could still construct around it. Uh, but I really liked getting him at, at power forward. Then I look over at FanDuel, and he's nine k. So then he's starting to get up there, and he's only a thousand dollars difference away from guys like you know Luca, Trey Young, uh, yeah. Westbrook, and you know then it's it's at that point where yeah I'm trying to find that extra thousand dollars. So that's kind of where I'm running into with him. I don't I don't mind him. Uh, I still think he could probably get you close to that five X, maybe four and a half X at that at that FanDuel price, but just not going to probably end up making my final builds. That's a good point. I, I remember rostering him about four or five weeks ago for sixty seven hundred. Now he's nine grand. She was all right. Let's go to game three, my man. Uh, Cleveland at Miami. It's an eight o'clock game. We have uh, definitely the possibility and probability, in my opinion, of a blowout in this game. So we, you know, that puts a little star around it. Like, what do we, uh, 
you know, with a question mark in the middle of the star of, you know, the Heat are 13.5-point favorites, a total of 221.5, implied total for the Heat, 117.5, and lowest on the entire slate, 104 for Cleveland. We've got a pace rating of 19 for Cleveland, and Miami's all the way down to 27. I mean, they are just locked down half-court defensive team, and that's going to be their identity. Cleveland is dead last, number 3-0, 30th in the league in defense, and Miami is 13th. So they do lock down some people. Uh, one note is Cleveland is on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, Miami is not on either side of a back-to-back. So uh, interesting, man. Uh, you know, I don't know how much you can count on this game, but all I know is this could blow out, but if it blows out, who's going to do the blowing out from Miami is a question. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's some major concerns I have, like you said, with this game. It's not only the blowout factor. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we do see somebody like Kevin Love become, like, you know, added to the injury report somewhere through the middle of the day. Don't bring up um, his name. He is he is on my crossed off list with about four yeah. other guys. Joe Ingles from earlier in the season made that list. There's like four people on it. He's the latest one added to it. Kevin Love will not see coaches line up for the near future. <laughs> well, I don't blame you after uh, you know a couple of troubling uh, performances. Terrible. Burned yeah. you last night pretty hard, but uh, yes, there's a, there's a decent chance that he might end up just sitting this one out altogether with it being you know a tough game for him. Thirteen and a half point spread, second half of a back to back, going to Miami. So there's a lot of reasons why they might just say, "Hey, Cap, take the night off." And in that case, you know, we look directly at guys like Larry Nance, uh, fifty seven hundred. I'd have a ton of interest in him. He's kind of one of those guys that's almost blowout proof at that price because we've seen him get it done in twenty five to twenty six minutes. And even if it does get out of hand, I, I'd still expect him to see some run in the fourth quarter. Um, so I'd have interest in him. And then I'd be looking at guys like Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, on Cleveland. So uh, both those guys would get big bumps with Love out. Both those guys would probably still see some extended run, even if the game gets out of hand. Uh, and then over there on the Miami side of the ball, Jay Crowder was inserted in a starting lineup. I would expect him to continue doing this going forward. 4800 is a fair price tag. Uh, I'd have no, no problems looking at him. He only played 23 minutes in his first game starting, but he also really struggled in the beginning of the game. I don't think he hit a shot until uh, the second half. I could, be, I could be wrong, but I remember I did have a couple shares, and I looked at him, and he was really dudding for the first half of that game. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up playing you know, more of that 26 to 28-minute role get a couple extra when he's actually knocking down a couple of shots. So uh, that's probably that's probably it. I don't really want to pay the 8600 for for Bam on uh on on DK and I believe he's even he's even it's more than that over there on yeah on, on FanDuel. Um, it's a great matchup, don't get me wrong. I just I already said it. I'm spending up on two guys. Uh, that's where a lot of my money's going to be going. And then from there on out, I, the blowout factor, a lot of risk is involved in this. Yes, do I expect good games from Jimmy Butler and Bam? Of course, they're going to be able to just wipe the floor. But if they don't need to play in the fourth quarter, that's what that's the one thing that worries me. No, I understand it. Uh, a couple takes I have here. This this is my theory I, that I noticed. You know, it used to be really great to be able to roster a Tristan Thompson in the right situation or a Kevin Love in the right situation, or if if Love was out, definitely to roster Nance automatically in the right situation. But the, the fact, since they picked up Andre Dumb, Drummond, 
it's really crushed those three guys. Thompson had one outlier game in there, but for the most part, since Drummond's come there, he clogs the middle and he gets a bunch of rebounds, and that's all takes away from the three players that we just mentioned. So that changes the whole dynamic there. As far as Drummond goes, I you know in watching him, uh, and in big sections, he looks just very disinterested. I think he's going to have those 2020 games once in a while just because he's that good. But, uh, you know, going from the Pistons to Cleveland actually went from a bad situation to worse. And he's one of those guys that needs to be dialed in and focused and, you know, a strong coach. And they just lost their coach. Bigger staff took over. And I got to ask you this question. Is it like an NBA rule that as soon as you fire your coach, no matter where he is on earth, you have to find J.B. Bickerstaff to take over as an interim coach? I think this is the fifth time he's done it. Uh, at, at least. I, Bickerstaff's coached half the league at this point in, in one facet. Thing. Yeah. It, <laughs> he usually does a decent job. Nah. I can't, I, can't even, I can't even lie about that one. Now, you know, uh, I'm so old. I remember his dad. His dad was a hell of a coach. Uh, Bernie Bickerstaff, he coached some of the great Seattle supersonic teams back in the day, and that guy could coach his lights out. Uh, and obviously this is his son, and he has floated around the league like no one else, man, that that guy. But it's odd, you know to see a guy just all of a sudden he's the interim coach and it's J.B. Bickerstaff again. I remember it happening in multiple places, Houston, all over the place. But anyway, I, I digress there. It, just, it's, it was an amazing fact. I was talking about Drummond, and so I'm not going to roster Drummond for a while until I see if, if he's going to get focused in on, on anything. And I can't see them in a, you know, a lot of close games where he's got to play big minutes and all that stuff. So that's a shame because – Drummond was a strong play for me in the first half of the year when Detroit was still a little competitive and he was playing hard. So that, that that's a bummer. Um, I don't like anybody from the Cleveland side. I think Miami's just too good lockdown defense-wise. I'm just not going anywhere with that mess in the front line. But I do love uh, a couple of players for Miami. I think my two of my first guys in, you know my theory, my number one on that top five list of trends is I love playing guards against Cleveland. Uh, historically bad, worst defensive rating for a backcourt in the NBA in the last eight years is the great uh, Cleveland defensive backcourt. So uh, it, I just think it's a perfect matchup here for them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Nunn and Butler – uh, in my lineup on cash, uh, pretty much all over the place. Uh, I, those are two of my favorite plays. Uh, I'm not going to go with Bam just because he's priced out of this world. And, I mean, that last game, he was awesome, though, man. I, You know, I, it was funny because I, I mentioned on the podcast the other day, and it's something to keep an eye on for everybody if I forget to mention it on one of the pods. But, you know, the guys, there were quite a few first-time All-Stars this year. And I, I've seen this trend in previous years. When it's a first-time All-Star and he does pretty well, they come out that second half like gangbusters. I, I think they get a self-confidence of, hey, man, I'm one of the best players in this league. And you see those guys coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, Autobio had, like, unbelievable game. Like, th- I think he was 34-16-4. 
No, seven assists. So he, and he just looked like he was taking over the game. We saw the same thing last night. I, you know, I had Siakam. He was between one and three percent owned. He went crazy. Same scenario. First time All Star coming out, just totally dominating a game. So keep an eye on some of those guys. Uh, and I, you know, I know Bam falls into that category, but I think if it's a blowout. You know, Bam does play a little extra minutes here and there, but with Drummond and, and the, some of the bigs from Cleveland, I just I would play Bam at his old eight thousand, but not as he's getting closer to ten thousand now. It's ridiculous. So, for me, I think this game is going to be all about Butler and not, and none. I don't blame you. Uh, great matchup. Beautiful. All right, we're at the halfway point. Couple of things, just real quickly. Uh, Definitely connect uh, on on our website, dfscoachtalk.com. We'd love to have you pull some info, send us uh, your website, uh, subscribe to us, get our newsletters, all that kind of stuff that's going to be coming out. Um, Also on Twitter, at dfscoachtalk is our main tweet spot, so everything that happens will be posted there. I'm at Joe Sarvati personally, so that's J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. He is at, at M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. And our man Andrew is at Language Olympic, just like it sounds. Um, so definitely tune into us there. You can catch our podcast everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, I, YouTube is a great spot to listen to us. Um, that they post the fastest I noticed of all of them. As soon as I send it, boom, it's up on YouTube. Um, just search for DFS Coach Talk and you'll find us. But we now are uh, seven days a week, everywhere po- podcasts can be found. We are now got the last one aboard. Uh, last night we were uh, accepted with iHeart and uh, they approved us and downloaded. So we're now on. Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube. And then there's a couple other ones I've never even heard of, but they're, you know, Red Circle we have sends them out to everywhere. And, again, I'll be posting those uh, around 1, 1.30 every afternoon each day. And that takes us to the, the whole three-point process we talk about. We mention it on every show because we found it to be what's helped us win in the 70% range. And that's, you know, listen to the show, take in all this information, get some ideas, see who's hurt, see what the flow is. We're going to be looking like for the night with the slate. Then follow uh, as much as you can throughout the rest of the afternoon. Follow us on Twitter, jump in our discord uh, uh, for, for our members so that they can see what's the talk, what's going on. We're constantly updating uh, anything that's happening as far as uh, player restrictions, guys that are scratched, etc. And then the third piece is that last 30 minutes, you really need to uh, buckle down, get in front of your computer or phone or whatever you put your lineups in with, and follow us closely. I mean, I would recommend uh, getting on our Discord at uh, on our website at dfscoachtalk.com. You know, jump in our Discord because we're going to be chatting in there and, uh, and posting lineups 30 minutes before lock and just going over all of the information. But if you're not in there, still follow us on Twitter because we're going to be sending out those changes and all that information as the afternoon goes, uh, you know, goes down. And, you know, if there's a change in that last 30 minutes or two, 
it can affect an entire slate or blow your whole slate up. So follow that closely at the end. Don't, you know, uh, stumble your money away in any sense that way. Uh, so that was an important thing. Also, when you listen to our podcast each day, just take a few seconds, please, to, to rate, review, and subscribe and click that little uh, bell signal. That's the alarm on YouTube. That'll tell you. It'll shoot you something saying uh, the, the fellows at DFS Coach Talk just posted their new uh, podcast. So if it's 1 or 115 or 120 or whatever, you don't have to keep looking for it. It'll just give you a quick reminder. But it's important for us to get those five stars and likes and thumbs up because, you know, that is going to help us get up the scale on the search button. You know, at, we always talked about that at Hoopball as well, and we, we just flew up the charts there. We want to do the same thing here at DFS Coach Talk and really get the word out so that when somebody is looking for a podcast to listen to and they type in DFS, NBA, uh, you know, uh, DFS Talk, whatever, we're going to start coming up with all of those keywords. So please do that. That's really our main ask every uh, podcast. So that's it. Um, let's go on with the final three games. We've got uh, another 8 o'clock game, Phoenix at Chicago. Phoenix uh, is on the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, Chicago is not on either side of a back-to-back. Uh, Phoenix is a two-point road favorite. It's a 222 over-under. 112 implied for Phoenix, 110 for Chicago. Phoenix is the ninth fastest team in the league. Chicago is 17th. So middle of the road game on pace. Defensively, Phoenix is 18th. Chicago is 14th. Any key plays here for you, Mr. Patria? Most definitely. Uh, this is going to be a nice, nice game overall. I think it's going to be a little one of those, one of those ones that kind of flies under the radar. It's got a nice game total, but it's also a very nice spread, only a one point spread, uh, with Phoenix being favored. Um, and I think that two there's some points, sneaky value. Bro. Uh, oh, points. what I'm seeing you says got, one. You got, uh, you got caught in between. You want to play? Uh, you're going to get. You can win both sides. Go ahead. Ooh, I'm, I'm <laughs> so uh, I'll start with the Phoenix side. I think this uh, this is a great spot. I'm not going to be throwing near Ricky Rubio, first of all. The minutes are still being limited even after the All-Star break, so it seems like he probably has some underlying uh, nagging injuries that they're still working on. And, and the fact that it's a back-to-back, I, I don't think that he'll be playing um, you know more than 30 minutes in this one. Now, with that being said, it's Ricky Rubio. Could we see a quick double-double from him in, lim- in limited minutes? Yeah, of course. Uh, but I, I'm just not, I'm not touching that until I see the minutes are a little bit higher. But I do have interest in Booker, and then the other guy I'll be looking at is going to be Kelly Oubre. I think Oubre is a little underpriced on FanDuel. He's been struggling with his shot as of late. Uh, but, you know, looking at what the what the Bulls have been doing on their perimeter, is they've been basically playing, playing three guards at most of the time, uh, yeah. and that includes that small forward. So we uh, that's going to either benefit for uh, Oubre or B- Bridges, whoever's capitalizing by playing small forward. We just saw Miles Bridges uh, come out there and have a big game against him in that last one. So I'll have some interest in him at only 6K, especially on FanDuel. Like I said, two, we have to play two small forwards. There's not a lot of the expensive options I'm looking up, uh, looking on spending up on. In fact, I think that's probably where I'll draw the line. I think uh, Ubre is going to be the most expensive small forward I look at. So okay. it gets me good exposure on that side of the ball. I, you know, We've seen him put up those 40-point games, and I think this is a, a nice little get-right game for him. So 
that's kind of where I'm going on on the Phoenix side. It's going to be Booker. It's going to be a little bit uh, a little bit of Booker, a uh, fair amount of Ubre. And then looking over on the Chicago side of the ball, we have to take a, uh, into account that they're going to be limited in their front court again. Cornette is most likely doubtful, like you said. Yeah. They're not ready to bring Wendell Carter Jr. back. Uh, we should see uh, a decent amount of run for Gafford. I, you know, I don't know what to really expect. He's the guy I wanted now, to get your Felicio opinions on. Actually, Felicio actually got more minutes in the last game than him. That's yes. my concern. Because you know I'm a big Daniel Gafford guy, but... I, I'm concerned about, about that split minutes. I just wanted to throw that in there because I, I looked that up before the show because I thought, man, with those two guys out, Gafford might be a good play, but I bet you they split minutes again. And I'm okay with that, though, because when I'm looking at the way I'm, the way I'm looking at I'm constructing my lineups is uh, Felicio played 23 minutes in that last one, and that, that was with Cornette playing six minutes. So Cornette got, you know, re-aggravated. He played six minutes in that game. So that, that six minutes has to get accounted for and go to somewhere uh, into this next game. And if we look at the previous game before that, uh, in Washington, Felicio played 22 minutes. So it seems like he's playing 22 or 23 regardless. So I'm really hoping that that extra six minutes goes towards Gafford. And the big thing about Gafford to me is that he's power forward eligible, while Felicio is only center eligible. Right. So I can slot him in there on FanDuel at 3,700 uh, and still get you know another center that I want to get exposure to. Because I, I'm looking like right now I'm going to be suspending down at power forward the way my initial construction is working. So um, you know, he's, he's definitely a GPP option. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. He's definitely a high risk, high reward option. Uh, but I'm really hoping for that 22 minute game from him where he gets me 20, D, uh, 20 DK or 20 FanDuel points. And I'll take that value right there. Okay. No, good breakdown. Um, you know, I, I'm sort of on the opposite end uh, with this game, to be honest with you. I don't like this game. I just, Chicago seems to be playing slower than they did. Uh, and they're playing pretty darn good defense, so it it bothers me. I agree with you. I don't think Rubio's 100%. Ubre's been a little cold, and Chicago defends the one-two guards pretty darn good. They're they're up there as far as backcourt defense. I just I'm not a Booker uh, big fan here. I think for, for me, I wish his price was lower, but I think it's a good game for Levine. I think Zach Levine is. Uh, in my player pool as of right now, I think he's he's really got the potential to do something uh, decent. Um, if I can fit him in, I think I'm going to go that way. If not, I think Sadoransky is, is a good play. I mean, he's he's not going to break the slate for you with a 55 point game, but since uh, you know Dunn's been out completely, that he's really been in that 25 to 35 range quite a bit. So as far as DFS points, so. He's a, a good backup guy, and maybe where you roster two point guards on like a fan duel, uh, he could come into play for me. But really the only target I have here is Levine because, you know, a couple of things. Chicago, like you said, they're going to be – I still think they're going to split Gafford and, and Felicio, and I don't want anybody that I'm hoping gets 22 minutes. So – and the second thing is Phoenix – has their whole front line back. Sarge is back, Baines is back, um, and Aiton is back. So, you know, it it does two things there. I think they'll do a better job in Chicago, and and they'll probably take a few minutes from each other. Uh, I love Aiton, but in a in a uh, paced down game like this, where Aiton is now pretty darn expensive, uh, I'm just not going to go there. So. I'm going to have to kind of respectfully disagree 
slightly with with your take on this game, and it's um, only okay. only because only parts of it. Uh, you know, I think you said that uh, you know they have they have been very good against opposing guards. Uh, you've heard me touch on that if you've been listening over at Hoop Ball all season long. But a lot of that was with Dunn in the lineup. With Dunn out of the lineup, they've True. actually they've actually been struggling a little bit more as of late. Um, and their their pace actually, you know, their pace may be slowing down, coach. Uh, but they're giving up points actually at an alarming rate right now. I mean, outside of that last game, uh, in in the past four out of the past six games, they've given up at least 125 points. So there's still plenty of there's still some juice left on the bone in this one. I think. Hey, that's uh, I, the first juice on the bone ever on DFS Coach Talk. There you <laughs> exactly. Go. Uh, so I still think there is some there's some there's some points to be had for Phoenix. Um, and with them being on a back-to-back, you know, a couple of these centers, a couple of their bigs are coming off of injuries. Yes, they did have a nice extended rest during the All-Star break. I, I think we could see some of those points come on the wing, especially if they're going to be running this three-guard. You know, I think they played Archie Diakono 28 minutes in the last one. He played if, a huge role, yes. Yeah. And he if, might if, not be a bad play, to be honest. Hey, if you're looking for a pump play, he's definitely he's definitely an option. There's worse pump plays. He's a great him or secret squirrel kind of pick today. And if we see Shaq Harrison start, and he's, uh, he's definitely going to be an option for me. Uh, especially in GPPs, but I'm I'm not going to just you know start talking about that until we. See I don't it. see it why everybody in DFS is in love with Shaq Harrison. I think it's funny to me because I've heard like five different tats always talking about Shaq Harrison. He had like one or two good games. I know he plays hard, but he's he's not. I just I I can't see myself ever rostering Shaq Harris. That's I'm just saying. It just baffles me how some guys get in the 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 heart of DFS touts and and he just seems to be one of those odd guys that people like to play that just stinks. Sorry. Well, I, he's he's good in certain situations, like where this one, where you'd be hitting him in the sweet spot of just next to minimum salary at like thirty five hundred on DK. I think he is minimum salary on Fanduel. Um, on those options, if he's starting and he's playing at least twenty four to twenty six minutes, knowing that the, he's a chucker, he's going to take shot attempts. He can uh, he kind of mixes it up in the paint a little bit, gets a good amount of rebounds. Um, so at that price tag, you're really not risking much if he's starting. Uh, if he's coming off the bench, it's a little different. It's when it's when he has that one big or two big games, and then all of a sudden he's getting priced up to forty six, forty eight hundred. That you really have to ease back off of him because he is a high risk, high reward option. It's just a lot of the risk is taken away when he's next to minimum salary. All right, dude. The only place I'll roster Shaq Harrison is in the G League. That's about <laughs> it for me. All right, bro. It's okay to disagree. That's what it's all about. We want to, you know, if we agree on everything, then what good are we doing? Uh, you know, sharing our, our thoughts here. We might as well just repeat what we each say. So definitely a different take on that game. That's more of a, a an important game for Mike and a, a fade game for me. So, all right, two games left. Philadelphia 76ers at the Milwaukee Bucks should be very interesting game. Uh, that, that last, I'll tell you what, did you watch the last Philly game? Uh, no, I did not. They were down by 20, and I swear they almost booed the Sixers off the floor, the Sixers fans. They are the roughest fans in the game, uh, and they ended up coming back and winning that game after they almost got booed off the floor. So bizarre. They may be... I think Philly's better off on the road. I really do at this point with uh, the way they – although they stink that right now. They're just not that good. But they did – they are coming off a win. They're at Milwaukee. Milwaukee's only a nine-point favorite. I know that sounds like a ton, but Milwaukee seems to beat everybody by 30. And uh, 
I just don't know if they're getting Philly at their best right now. They they can't brought Horford off the bench. Then they weren't going to. Then they did, and just I don't know. Brett Brown is not. He's in my bottom three coaches, so I'm I'm not real confident in Philly. But you know, this is going to be an interesting game. You've got uh, you know a two twenty seven total, one eighteen implied for Milwaukee and one oh nine for Philadelphia. Like I said, just a nine-point spread. And then as far as pace, Philadelphia is 18th, so that's the battle of the wills there. Simmons wants to run, and Bede wants to play a half-court set, so looks like they're pretty much in the middle. Uh, Milwaukee is the fastest-paced team in the league. A lot of that is they're getting transition off their defense, but they are still you know, pushing the ball, high-scoring, uh, fastest team. So it is a big uh, pace-up game for Philly. But here's the, the, the big uh, giant warning sign. Philadelphia's fifth in the league in defense and Milwaukee's first. So, you know, you're ta- when you have two teams in the top five, you're talking about reducing possessions. You're talking about, uh, you know, when it gets crunch time, slower pace, locking folks down. So, you know, I like guys in this game. But, you know, there certainly is still a blowout factor, and there certainly is the defense to worry about. So I think this could be the game that swings the slate for those that play two or three guys from this game, especially some of the key guys like Simmons. He's 75%, so he'll probably play, or Embiid or Giannis or or even uh, Middleton. I think, you know, either those guys are going to do real well and it's going to be a higher-scoring game, can win you the slate, or if this game ends up being – the defensive game that it could be with two top five defensive squads and people uh, spend a lot of salary here, it could sink the ship for you. So sort of a boomer bust game, Mike. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm really taking the approach of I'm not going to have a lot of ownership whatsoever in it. Uh, just being straight and honest, when Philly's you know pretty much fully healthy, I don't have a lot of interest in them just because of the way the usage gets spread around. Everybody kind of gets their own. They're all pretty much priced up. I guess Embiid's slightly underpriced at 9400 on DK, but you know Simmons yeah. at 92 that's fair. Tobias at 68 is fair. We're getting a discount on Horford, but he's just been one of the worst players since he's kind of resulted in the bench. What do you have, uh, like a minus 27 or something sure. in the last game? It was, yeah. it was awful. Oh, my God. His plus so, minus was horrific, yes. Yeah, it was. And, and now that we can't even get the, you know, the guard, the extra, you know, ancillary usage or uh, points out of anybody because they brought in Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks to take away minutes from guys like Cork Moss and Richardson. So I really have no interest in Philly. Uh, same thing with Milwaukee. You know, it's yes, it should be a little bit more of a competitive game, I guess you could say. Uh, we we could kind of have a little bit more faith, but um, I'm not going to be paying up for Giannis because I'm going to be going towards those Houston guys and Doncic. And, uh, you know, the only other guy that I've kind of landed on a few times during my initial builds was uh, Eric Bledsoe. And it was more or less a pivot from uh, Devontae Graham on FanDuel. So, uh, you know, that's that's the approach I'm at right now. And uh, I'll probably end up finishing there by the end of the night. Interesting, man. I You know, this is going to shock you because, you know, my thoughts and how I think and break down games and, and everything else. Would you believe me if I told you that this was my key game and this is where I'm going to spend up the most? I would think you're a GPP player, Coach. And let me tell you the second part of that. It doesn't include Giannis. All right. Let me hear. Is he, is he, do, you, do you have some news I don't know? Is he sitting? No. I think Giannis is a fantastic play, but he's the most expensive guy on the board. Here's my thought. 
and I'm just going to share you share this with you and think about it, and maybe I, you can talk me off it. But when I looked at this game, I just thought, you know, neither team's on either side of a back-to-back. I think Philly realizes that they are at a breaking point. They're either going to make a run or the coach is going to get fired. They, there was even talk they may blow up the team because of the Simmons uh, – uh, and Embiid, a little bit of a rift there. Uh, there. There was back talk that there was some talk in the locker room, and I know Horford, you know, was messing up the rotation. So here's the thing. When teams are backed into a corner like that, one of two things happen. They come together and say, listen, we're too good to let this happen. Let's play together. Let's get this done. You know, Brett Brown I don't think is a good X and O coach at all. I really think he stinks on that end, but the players like him. So I don't think it's like they want to run the guy out of town. Secondly, I think Philly showed a lot of moxie in that last game, down by 20 at home, getting booed off the court to come back and win that game without Ben Simmons. And now Simmons is back. I think that they this is like a line in the stand for them. them. They get away from the Philly fans. They get to go to Milwaukee. And this is a statement game. We're not, don't count us out yet. Everybody's counting them out. All you hear now is Milwaukee is going to coast to the, the the NBA Finals. They may play either Boston or Toronto or Miami in, in the Eastern Final. Everybody's counting Philly out. So that is a great rallying point. They don't want their coach to get fired. They get to go on the road to play the best team in the league. They get Simmons back and they have something to prove. I just I love just all of that stuff fitting in. Now, could it go the opposite direction and it implode? They're yelling in the locker room. They don't get along. He can't coach. Yeah, that's possible, but I think it goes the other way. I'm planning on rostering Simmons and Embiid, and I think Philadelphia goes deep into this game with Milwaukee, and I think this goes down to the wire. I can't afford Giannis, or he'd absolutely be the guy to play on the other side of the ball, but I'm going to follow up on the other side of the ball uh, with either a Middleton uh, or one of the ancillary guys there. I'm going to go two on both sides, Simmons and Bede, and then probably two uh, on the other side with a Middleton and one of the guys, and still be able to stay within salary. So, that's sort of my biggest take on the podcast. Uh, but, again, we have, you know, what do we have now, six hours until lock or no, even less. Um, you know, I may come off of that somewhere. But as of right now, dude, this that's my reasoning and theory behind why I think Philly's a good play today. I respect it. I respect it. I learned uh, long ago, never never argue with the coach when it comes to, you know, the eye test and just these these mentality. Like you, you've been in these situations as a coach, so you probably know uh, what your players have felt like in this. So, hey, listen, man, I'm I'm not going to knock you. Uh, we, we both kind of have two different approaches, but we, we're two different types of players. We play two, two different types of games. So, yeah, uh, makes sense. Well, you'll, you know, the, the times I get most excited are when I, I see – a flashpoint game or a line in the sand game or a statement game, whatever you want to call it. When I see that happen and they have a lot on the line and for a lot of different reasons, I love to focus on that because I'll, I'll tell you right now, if they do that, what I think they're going to do today and, and play tough, they're going to grab some respect and confidence back. Little the heat come off. If they go into Milwaukee and get their doors blown in, 
then, you know, forget it, man. The, the barn doors flying flies open and anything could happen at that point. Cause they're, you know, it's, it's really one of those situations. So anyway, that's where we are. Anything else on that game, my man? I'm ready to move on. Okay. Last game, late night sweat starts 30 minutes later than every other game. It's Houston at Utah. I know you've been waiting patiently the entire day for this game. Uh, it is uh, a two-point favorite for Utah, so close spread, 232.5, the second highest total on the board, and a nice juicy number for both, 117.5 Utah, implied 115.5 for Houston. A uh, couple of things, Houston, second fastest pace in the league, Utah 20th. Uh, Utah's also on the second night of a back-to-back, uh, that's a concern. Uh, Houston is not on either side of a back-to-back, so that's in, that's something to to really look at. As far as defensive efficiency, uh, the thing that surprises everybody every time I say this every day is Houston's 15th. They're actually flirting with the top half of the league defensively, which hasn't been the case in a long time. But again, a lot of that credit goes to Westbrook because he's been shutting down point guards all season, uh, and Utah is ninth. So they are a top 10 defensive team. So I know you have some serious focus on this game. Um, and I'll just tell you right off the bat, I mean, we're just on opposite ends of the spectrum today because I don't particularly like this game that much. I've, you've got uh, Utah on the second night of a back-to-back, so that hurts. them. You have Houston having to travel to Utah, higher elevation against a slow-down, grind-it, you defensive-oriented team. And I think... People love to play the late-night sweat game. People love to play Harden and Westbrook and Gobert and Mitchell. So I'm not going there, dude. So I'm going to rain on your parade, but now you can tell us why this is your second favorite game on the board. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just – it's got a uh, you know, late-night late, late night hammer. I always like to get some exposure. That way, at the end of the night, you're kind of just seeing your points go – or your money go up instead of down. Uh, but the high total – Mike, don't teams- say that, dude. Don't say that. That's what, if I could, I'd give you a nice wedgie right now, like the old school days. I can't stand when people play the damn sweat game because it's the last game. I'm telling you, dude, you have, I know I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm just going to yell at you anyway. I I love you. But I'm telling you for our members, when you are playing DFS, there's six games on the slate. You have to, erase anything from your mind and think that all six of these games started at the exact same time. Don't let a national televised game or late night sweat game or the game you're going to watch because it's your favorite team affect anything you do with DFS. If you build even one or two guys because of any of those reasons in the long run, I 100% guarantee you're going to lose. You can't let that sway you. And I know you didn't mean it that way, Mike, but I just wanted to use that platform to to tell people that that's an important factor because you would you know people love to do this they like to watch their players a lot of people don't have the ticket a lot of people you know like certain guys etc and they they always end up at when push comes to shove rostering those few guys because it's a late night sweat because it's their favorite because it's the national tv and that sinks you if if that's who you get to then great but it should be by accident not because one of those baloney reasons. So sorry, Mike. I love you, buddy. 
Well, no, I can, I completely agree with you with that sentiment. The only time that I would say that you can actually, you know, not, you know, I guess be a little bit more, uh, you know, scientific with it and mess around a little bit is if you're on DK and there's late swap. So sometimes you could take advantage of it knowing True. that you have a couple guys Great. that you yeah. could swap out late. So on FanDuel on sites that you cannot swap out. Uh, yeah, you know, you're looking at this as though every game's on at the same time. I love, I love this game though, because of the total, these teams, they're generally very competitive when they play. They generally hit that total when they play. Uh, we've seen these guys have some of their uh, season best games against each other. So uh, I'll start with the Utah side of the ball. Uh, Mike Conley sat out last night because it was the first half of back-to-back. They rested him. I would expect yeah. him to be good to go in this one, uh, probably play a full complement of minutes, knowing that they're not playing tomorrow. It's going to be a competitive game. He's been playing well since he's been playing that 30-plus-minute role again. He's fair-priced. I have interest in him. Donovan Mitchell's another guy. He's been absolutely smashing in these matchups. He played twice already this season. Uh, and Mitchell has uh, not, I guess, underperformed in any of them. I believe he's averaging about 45, 46 DK points in those matchups. Yeah. He's at 30 he's points a game. He's underpriced, too. Did you he, notice yep. he's underpriced? Yeah. Yeah, he should not be 6,900 on FanDuel. So. No. Uh, and then I'm going to be looking at Rudy Gobert. I mean, at the end of the day, we do not have a ton of center options to go with. I, I think, you know, we didn't get to see it in that last one. But just knowing how Rudy can just impose his will against this undersized front court, it should be very easy for for him. He's averaging 36 DK points against them already this season. It's a fair price tag, so I feel good about him in cash, and he still has some GPP upside. Um, and then looking on the other side of the ball, I'm I'm just going to have flat out, I'm going to have one of James Harden, I'm going to have one of Russell Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook's av- average, I think he put up 55 DK points uh, in the matchup earlier in the season, right around that 10K price, yeah. uh, price tag on, on FanDuel. Uh, basically, it's going to come down to ro- uh, roster construction for me, so depending on you know which shooting guards I'm getting. So you know in a lineup that I want to play Mitchell and Devontae Graham, I'll probably go at Westbrook if it's a lineup where I'm playing you know, Doncic and I want to go with maybe instead of, uh, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, maybe I'll get exposure to, uh, to James Harden. So, you know, you're looking at how your construction works is going to basically impact how I'm playing. I like both these guys. Karis Levert's another one of those guys where if I want to play, you know, two of the three between Karis Levert, Donovan Mitchell, um, and I'm sorry, I just, I totally spaced out and forgot the other guy I was just saying, um, for who, for uh, for Utah, for the other shooting guard, no, there's three shooting guards I was on. It was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Do, no, no, Donovan Mitchell, Devontae Graham, and Karis Levert. Those oh, are to okay. me the, the mid-tier gotcha. shooting guards. If I have, I'm, I'm looking to probably have two of those guys uh, in a lot of my lineups, and in those ones I'll have, I'll have some Westbrook uh, paired up with Doncic. So that's kind of the approach I'm taking. I'm uh, going to be heavily exposed to this game. In my initial build, I believe I have three guys uh, from this game in it. Nice, man. Like I said, we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, which is fine. I mean, maybe all my stuff hits in cash and all your stuff hits in GPP. That would be great. Um, it, I'm interested to see, I guess, you know, Dan Tony's a hardhead. So is he really going to try to guard uh, Gobert? They did, with they did it last time. They did it last time. Yeah, T.J. Uh, Tucker, right? Yeah, he, uh, Gobert, I mean, the thing is, there's, there's, a, there's a positive and there's a benefit to this for Gobert when they do that small ball lineup. The positive is uh, that he should be able to just sky over everybody and not have any issues. Right. Uh, you know, the disadvantage is when they're playing a small ball lineup, we're looking at more jump shots, more three-point shots. Uh, and when that means when you're looking at those kinds of shot attempts, they tend to bounce farther across or farther off of the rim, leading to more uh, you know, guard and you know, forward rebounds as opposed to the guy just standing underneath the basket. Uh, so, you know, that's the two negatives. I mean, the pace, though, is a positive. More shot attempts mean more rebounds, more possessions. Everything else bodes well. So I'll still be taking plenty of shots on him. As of right now, he's probably going to be my high, uh, most highly owned center. Uh, we'll see as though the night as it uh, as it progresses, if anything else breaks. 
And, you know, I think he could be the highest owned center on the slate. Uh, I really do. Uh, I mean, I know Embiid will get a, a decent share and, and such, but, um, you know, everybody's going to look at that same factor. But I'll tell you what, the last time they played each other, even though it was in Houston, uh, and they did guard Gobert with Tucker, Gobert didn't make value because I he was 100% lock play for me. I thought he was going to go for at least 50, 55, 60 fantasy points because I just didn't see him getting shut out. But like you said, the game flow and everything just changed so differently with such a small lineup in there for Houston, and it sort of kept Gobert out of rhythm, and he didn't do that well. Now, will they adjust to that? I, I really love Quinn Snyder as a coach. I think they can adjust to that. It's in Utah. That's a big difference. And, you know, uh, my second – lineup if i play two cash lineups i'll have Embiid in my first team and i still think gobert's a really good play i'd probably have him on that second squad as my center um donovan mitchell is play donovan mitchell's playable because of this price only he is i don't know why they don't price him up he keeps getting 45 48 point dfs games and he stays in the upper sixes where these other guys are floating into the low eight thousand. so Mitchell's a little playable there for sure. I'm not, obviously, with my other guys, have the salary to pay up for Harden or Westbrook, so I'm not going to go that way. The one guy I sort of like a little bit as my value dude for Houston, somewhat my secret squirrel, is 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 House. I just think, you know, he ends up almost being the biggest, most athletic player on the floor for a lot of the time for Houston, and therefore, you know, gets some of those lobs that used to go to Capella and gets a few more rebounds. So that's one guy uh, I'd look at a little bit too. I didn't see Eric Gordon news. I didn't see him on that list. He missed the last game. Uh, Do you know news on him? I have not seen anything. Uh, I'm kind of just taking the approach that he's not going to play. Um, You know, he's been kind of injury injury riddled all season long. Um, You know, it's, it's still, it's not like it's, you know, it was rest purposes or it's, it's his lower leg. It's, you know, at that point, we don't really know. They're kind of keeping it uh, a little bit of a mystery. It could be a bone bruise, could be something more severe, but his lower legs have always plagued him throughout his career, whether it's been his knee or whatever it is, ankles. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of trending towards the fact that he's going to sit. The, the last piece of news here is Eric Gordon left shin contusion, uh, will, will not play on Thursday says here, uh, this was expected, Dan and Tony said uh, that he'll focus with House and Macklemore and that uh, Gordon could be back for the game on Saturday. So I guess, I don't know why he's not on that injury report unless Houston just hasn't uh, put it out, but that's something to watch because Eric Gordon shoots. So, you know, for those people looking to play Harden and Westbrook, yes, they're definitely better plays because it's a, probably 15 shots that Gordon shoots. Uh, they're going to go mostly their way. Plus, if Gordon's in there, it takes a little bit away from the guys like Macklemore House, even Tucker and different guys because he's going to just get some of that usage. So just a guy to keep a, an eye on. All right, anything else on that one, buddy? That's all I got. All right, well, I think we're wrapped up. We are wrapped up. We went longer than normal. We always do. Mike and I are famous uh, for going long. Uh, we've, you know, I always look at it this way. We want to share our time is precious too, but we want to share every single ounce of 
anything that can give you an edge for the slate. We actually got one negative comment, which was shocking to me, that said, your shows are too long. Well, you know what? To me, I look at it this way. You can fast forward. You can just listen to the parts you want. Um, you know, to me, I would have a complaint if somebody just flew through a slate and didn't give me any information uh, that was going to help me or just gave me percentages of ownership. You know, our discussions, I want our podcast to be a discussion where people that it's it, it sparks conversations, you know. You know, is this guy really going to stay there? Is he happy there? Is this, you know, all the the coaches talk, all the eye test, all the stuff that makes a difference. So yes, our shows gonna are going to be a little bit longer, a little bit more comprehensive, but that's by design. And you know, uh, I would say for the one person that thinks they're too long, we probably have a hundred that think. Uh, it's great that they get all the information. And you don't have to listen to the whole thing if it's too long for you. Just listen to the parts that uh, are going to help you take stuff down. So I just wanted to mention that because I know Mike and I start watching the clock think, at times thinking, are we going too long? But, hey, I look at it this way. it's If it's a two-game slate with two easy games to go through, we'll do a fast show. You know, if it's a six-game slate like this with a lot of complex moving parts, it's going to take some time. And if it's a 14-game slate with 30-player uh, news things, hey, you know, we may go an hour and a half or hour and 40 minutes, but that's just because we're never going to try to leave any stone unturned. I mean, the thing that really prompted us to get this DFS coach talk off, off the ground, it, I mentioned it earlier in the show, is really the Kobe passing, just the – you know, don't let things sit. Do them. Go after it. Do them the best you can. And we approach every slate with that Mamba mentality. And we're not just saying that. That's a true thing. I mean, we really feel that. And we also like to end each show, too, by uh, asking if our, our listeners uh, would reach out to support the fund that was set up by Vanessa Bryant. And it is, uh, you know, one that the basketball community is really reaching out to. So if you can go to Mamba on 3 all, all spelled out, M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E dot org, and uh, donate. You know, that, that money goes directly uh, to the other seven passengers that perished, their families uh, that perished in that helicopter with, with Kobe and Gianna. So uh, we, we always want to throw that support in there because, you know, as the story starts getting older a couple of months down the road, uh, it, it's out of people's mind, but, you know, it's it's going to be with those families of those people that perish there forever. So they're going to need your help. Uh, all right, man. Any closing thoughts? Nah, man. Uh, I'm just looking forward to tonight's slate. Let's keep that momentum going. We had some nice GPP wins yesterday. We, uh, we got some members in our chat. Uh, posting some of their takedowns, a couple of guys saying it was some of their it was the biggest wins that they've ever had. So, uh, I'm, I'm you know I'm happy to be doing this. This is something that I'm diving. I'm pretty new to this coach. You know I've never really shared my lineups, my full lineups. I just shared some of my plays. So uh, let's you know some people can finally take advantage of it. The people are always asking for them. You guys got them. They're readily available. Take advantage. Absolutely. Just uh, you know go to our website dfscoachtalk.com. Sign up. We'll get you in there. And yeah, Mike. Mike carried the ship last night. I know I'm getting pretty heavy on your back uh, after last night, buddy. So I'm going to hopefully we both uh, come out on the good end tonight and, 
and uh, get everything going in the right direction. But great doing the show. Our first show of probably, let's see, about 10,000 you think we'll get to? Oh, yeah. At least. Might be 20. 20? All right. We'll try. But we're still going to get you in that that chicken suit one way or the other. But uh, all right. We didn't have any chicken suit challenges, but we'll get that that next game. You know, a couple other things we're going to introduce, too. I'll I'll mention them just real real briefly. We're going to start doing uh, every other show or so uh, where the, the two pros build a hybrid lineup together for you. Because you'll have the Cash Pro me with either Andrew or Mike, the GPP Pro on the other side. And we're going to just build a hybrid, like draft one out and fit the salary in in FanDuel. Uh, and then if, if you want to play that hybrid in wherever you feel uh, best, either in Cash or, or uh, um, you know, in uh, GPPs, you can do that. And that's going to be a freebie because it's going to be on the podcast. Uh, and so everybody gets, you know, to share in that. And then, as you know, we'll give our normal lineups, um, mine all being cash and, and Mike and Andrew's all being GPP, uh, in our Discord 30 minutes before uh, the slate lock. So, all right, my man, I guess that's it. That's it. All right. So we, we want to thank you for joining us for another episode of the DFS Coach Talk podcast. For my fellow NBA pros, Andrew Hansen and Mr. Michael Apatria, the GPP King, I am Coach. We'll catch you again tomorrow when we look to crush it in NBA DFS. Good luck, guys.